Won't do any good to run, girly boy. Beep, beep, Richie. I'll show you how to flow down here. They all flow down here. I'll kill you all. Have every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. You all taste so much better when you're afraid. Hurry, Bev, kill it! Kill it! <laughs> oh, you are priceless, rat. I am eternal child. I am the eater of worlds and of children. And you are next. All you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 247 of the SLS cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, the 2014 candidate for the lowest uninteresting number episode of the SLS cast. That's right, because back in 2014, mathematician and philosopher Alex Bellows suggested that a candidate for the lowest uninteresting number would be 247. The reason was because at the time it was, quote, the lowest number not to have its own page on English Wikipedia, end quote. And with that wonderful little bit of uninteresting number knowledge, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee, Tim! Previously on the SOS cast, Matt and Tim spoke in depth about MoviePass. Therefore, I must ask you, Matthew, have you had a chance to use that MoviePass? Nope, haven't even gotten in the mail yet. No shit, I received mine yesterday. That's awesome. Well, then again, you had you had somebody by the name of Harvey this at your true, doorstep for I a period of time. It's interesting that when did you sign up? Three weeks ago. I think the day after we recorded, I, yeah, uh, I, the last I, time. And I signed up three days before you did, and I still haven't gotten it yet. I caramba, man. Yeah, no kidding. So, they're they're really wowing me right now. So, um, <laughs> Well, you know I it mean, has something I, to do with I, the I didn't hurricane. check the email today. I, I could go outside and check the mailbox. Yeah. So, maybe I'll do that. I didn't check the mail today. Have you had a chance to use it yet? Did you activate it? Uh, not, uh, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I'm thinking about tomorrow, but... I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's really nothing at a local theater that I, I want to see at this moment. I have. I'm not sure what's coming out this week. And that's the beauty. It literally doesn't matter. I know, right? You can uh, waste waste your daily movie pass on anything. But in doing that, I am then wasting my time. Ah, but you never know. You might come across uh, some uh, uh, hidden treasure that would have otherwise gone unnoticed. The diamond in the rough. Or as they say in Aladdin, the diamond in the rough. Could that diamond in the rough possibly be 
nut job part two. <laughs> Are you telling me that tomorrow I, I should spend my, you know, at at, se- at seven eight o'clock on a Wednesday night I should go see Nut Job Part Two if it's even still in theaters? I think it only came out like a couple weeks ago. Quite frankly, I'm just waiting for the porn version of that where they don't change the title. <laughs> <laughs> Nutted job. <laughs> uh, so, so would nutted job would would nut job two the porn version introduce like poop? No, I think maybe it would just be like two uh, two people servicing the penis. Yeah, I like how you said two people. I mean, you didn't you didn't go for one specific gender. I, I like I like where this show has been heading. We we are leaving it open. <laughs> we are all inclusive. Uh, we don't want to label anything, especially when it comes to uh, m- uh, masturbation in in pornography, because everybody watches all different types of porn, including Ted Cruz. Apparently, a- apparently. Apparently, what kind of uh, what kind of porn was uh, old Teddy Boy into? Well, uh, this literally just broke like overnight. Apparently, uh, his Twitter account—okay, quote—I'm using air quotes over here. Obviously, you know clearly you can see that uh, his Twitter account somehow managed to like a porn vid of this blonde chick coming home and watching two people screw on her couch. Um, which in an unrelated uh, side comment thing from where I was reading about this uh, interesting, funny little thing, the the couch you can get at Walmart. So that's something. But yeah, so apparently it was liked. He, so for all intents and purposes, he liked this video for whatever the fucking reason through his Twitter account and it logged that he liked it. And so this particular Twitter account that had sh- that that had put the porn scene up there uh, to begin with, or teaser trailer or whatever the hell it was, um, then was like, "Hey, thanks for the thanks for liking our video," <laughs> and changed their little tagline under whoever whatever their handle was to, you know, liked by Ted Cruz, <laughs> and then like two hours later, the like magically disappeared, and. Um, so it'll be interesting to see just exactly how they spin this off because I mean you can say a staffer did it that's about the only way you can get away with it is that you know I mean he is saying that it was a staffer it was somebody managing his account but I think we will know the truth if Ted Cruz did it or not if nobody gets fired like if no staffer is left go then or aid or whatever I don't know if he has an aid do you have an aid when you're Ted Cruz, I don't. He might have plural. But um, okay. <sighs> yes, yes. Two <laughs> weeks off, and the jokes still haven't improved. That's right, people. Yes. Um, but uh, although since we are talking about sex and porn and, and movie pass and movie pass, um, I really feel strongly that we should title this episode it. Child horror, now, orgy free. Um. That's well, uh, is it child horror or horror? No, 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 no. Child horror, okay. now, orgy free. Well, yeah. I mean, you are referencing the uh, the, the the little gangbang there at the end of the book, Rooney. Yes. 
Yes, well, in in the middle of the Book of Rooney. Oh, in the middle of the Book. But I thought yeah. because in the book, very much like I, we're going to talk about this eventually. But since we're on the gangbang child subject right now, um, or I shouldn't say the gangbang child. That's I mean I mean the gangbanging <laughs> children. Does that sound a little bit better within? Con- nope, no, there's it does just not. no good. There's just, it's like it's like Subway. Eat fresh. There's just no way to get around it anymore. So you just may as well, you know, muddle through. Right, and muddle I will. Um, but like the the miniseries structure, the structure of the miniseries apparently is very much like the book. Where in the book, it kind of it goes back and forth between the uh, the present day which the book, you know, the present day is the 80s or whatever, and the, the past, the 60s. So apparently, like, at the end of It, when the adults are confronting It at the end of the story, they do, they, they, it's like everything that the kids do in the, in the sewers and in the tunnels and whatnot, it, it, it kind of, like, goes, it switches back and forth. So I think technically the child... Did you read the book? Did you actually read the book? I I have not read the book. I do know about the major plot points and right. stuff, and I did find out, I don't know, about a between six months and a year ago about the child, you know, about the orgy thing in the book. It, right, and a handful of years ago when I first heard about that, and a number of other things that I thought was very weird slash interesting of of the book, I went back and did a little did a little bit of research, and that's how I figured it out. And then of course after seeing the movie and. After writing notes and doing some like looking up, but you know, doing a little bit of research and comparing the two versions of the movie. Same, yes. Yeah, you know that that's how I kind of came across it. So I I thought that was pretty. Yeah, I've done the two versions of the movie as well as the miniseries versus the book and all that fun stuff. And uh, which I guess it makes sense for the book to go back and forth in time because it's what seven thousand pages long and oh, just a little over eleven hundred. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I guess 7,000 pages would be quite a bit. <laughs> I read books. Sure. <laughs> that aren't pamphlets at the doctor's office. That's right. That, like, no pictures in them or anything either. No pictures. So you had mentioned Harvey. We survived Harvey over here and where we live, though we were definitely very fortunate um, I did end up getting a sinkhole out along the foundation that exposed uh, under the house. So you can see under the house now. That's fun. Um, but we're already getting that taken care of. So in terms of people who truly lost everything, we definitely came out okay. Uh, so we're definitely very thankful for that. And, um, you know, and just trying to continue getting back into the normal groove of things and I'm back in school, and school is officially kicking my ass right now, and that's about where we're at. So, yay. The first floor of my sister's house got flooded, so they actually had to be... Saw the video. Holy crap. Yeah, they actually had to be uh, evacuated via boat, so that's exciting. And one of my neighbors, she actually works for Walmart, and she was put up... uh, She was actually in a situation where... Uh, the area around her store flooded so severely that they couldn't. She couldn't get home. Really, and so they put her up in a hotel uh, that was like within walking distance of the Walmart, um, so that she would have a place to stay. And if they could get the store open, then you know, hey, they've got peop- some people on hand who can help run the store. And her kids went to her 
uh, to her ex-husband's house. And what had turned into what was supposed to just be a weekend thing ended up turning into like five or six days because they got flooded in at her, at, at her ex-husband's house too. And, um, you know, so I was talking with her kids about it and apparently one of the, this ex-husband's neighbors, um, had a heart attack and they had to like come out on riverboats and help this guy get to the hospital and everything. Um, and then another neighbor over there literally had a baby out there <laughs> so because they couldn't get anywhere. And so, yeah. Wild. That's crazy. It's complete circle of life shit happening out here, folks. But anyway, so that's what's going on in this neck of the woods. Uh, everything going well for you, sir? I cannot complain. Awesome. <laughs> well, then, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a peek into the old mail sack? Peekaroonie. Check that mail sack. Check it good. Check that mail sack like you should. Oh, no! We suck again! <laughs> Well, sad face again. Maybe someday we'll get another email. Someday my email will come. (laughs) Indeed. Maybe, maybe even my, now my, my dog, he just got neutered on Friday. Maybe he'll want to send a sternly worded email about the removal of his testicles against his will. So we can... Look for if if you see anything in the email box from Luther that that's who you know maybe we should not read that <laughs> anyway uh, but I understand you've got some news for us don't you I do well then let's do it folks it's the news. <laughs> Alrighty, so I'm just going to jump into these two pieces of news. It's been a little while. Why not ease back into the episodes with a little bit of newsage? A, a couple things have, have, have happened since we've been gone. And ironically, both of these pieces of news are well over two weeks old, pretty much. Actually, no, this first one here is from September 6th, and it is from a website and the website is called, you might have heard of it, thehollywoodreporter.com. Uh, it's a little publication. i uh, been around for a while, a little while. Uh, from September 6, 2017, obviously 2017, Apple-Amazon join race for James Bond film rights. Exclusive. The franchise and its future are up for grabs as Agent 007 is being viewed as one of the last untapped brands that could be a game changer. And uh, the article goes on to say this. The tech giants are willing to spend in the same ballpark as Warner Brothers, who are also trying to bid for the franchise. If not, much more. They're willing to bid much more for the rights. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter... MGM has been looking for a deal for more than two years, and Sony, Universal, and Fox also have been pursuing the property, with Warner and Sony the most aggressive. But the emergence of Apple, which is considered such a viable competitor that Warner's is now pressing MGM hard to close the deal, and Amazon shows that the digital giants consider Bond as one of the last untapped brands, like a Marvel, Pixar, or Lucasfilm, that could act as a game-changer in the content space. 
Apple's and Amazon's inclusion in the chase would indicate that more is on the table than film rights, including the future of the franchise if MGM will sell or license out for the right price. Sources say newly arrived executives Zach Van Amberg and Jamie Ehrlicht are spearheading the effort on Apple's behalf. Given their background, the pair served as co-presidents of Sony Pictures Television and shocked the industry when they announced in June that they were leaving for Apple. This would suggest that Apple is interested in cutting a larger rights deal or acquiring full ownership to exploit Bond's largely unmined TV potential. Yikes. That's me saying yikes. Valuation of the franchise may be anywhere between $2 billion and $5 billion, says an insider. Quote, in the world of Lucasfilm and Marvel, Bond feels really underdeveloped, end quote, says someone familiar with the bidding process. Sources say that along with the tech giants, Chinese companies could come in from the cold to pursue not just movie rights, but massive licensing rights that could push deals into the billions of dollars And I'm going to end that right there. The article does go on to discuss more about the potential of the franchise, uh, as well as the box office returns of the last few Bond films and how Sony did with them. Uh, If you want to read more about it, do check it out at thehollywoodreporter.com. Apple, Amazon, join race for James Bond film rights. Matt, what do you think about this? Two parts of that question. Two parts. What do you think about either Apple or Amazon taking it over? Mm -hmm. Second part, what do you think about there being now a... They didn't necessarily say an extended (laughs) Bond universe, but in addition to Bond movies, you have Bond TV shows. Okay. The simple fact... This is, to me, this is just, this is exactly how out of touch these people are. Um, the mere fact that they refer to a franchise that started in 1961, I think, um, with Dr. No, and has spanned 25 movies, one of them, of course, being Never Say Never Again, which is technically unauthorized, um, as, quote, untapped, end quote, is fucking out of their mind. Um, I think it is the stupidest thing I have ever heard of uh, to get into this kind of a bidding war when you... When you when you have literally have nowhere to go with it anymore. I mean, um, and I'm a I'm a Bond fan. I enjoy Bond, but you've got so many different things that can be done now, and so many different avenues that you can take, and competing franchises in the likes of Mission Impossible. Um, that it just does not make sense. Um, also, you take a look at the at stuff. While the defenders have done well overall, um, Marvel Agents of Shield, Agent Carter, things like that haven't done uh, in the long term. Haven't done as well as would be hoped. So, I mean, why not just develop your own ideas and then just say? you know, take them case by case and then just say inspired by or from or something like that instead of just trying to get the whole kit and caboodle and then force feed it down everybody's throats because I can guarantee you that 
um, people will eventually get tired of Marvel movies every year, two and three Marvel movies every year. And I'm, I promise you, even as a Star Wars fan, people are going to tire of a Star Wars movie every year. Um, I, I, I mean, you don't, I, this is the time that you sit there and you start setting yourself apart. This is where you literally create the springboard that says, this is the new thing. This is what we're going to do. And this is who we're going to be. And then you see what sticks and you use that to differentiate yourself and you become the leader, not, Hey, let's take this 50 some odd year old movie property, forget the books and everything that it was based on, and then let's just see if we can marvel and fucking Lucasfilm the fuck out of it. I, oh my god, what a fucking colossal stupid idea, in my opinion. Okay, okay. I, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so how about part... I, mean, I don't want to hold back on it. No, I, no. Let, let me not hold back. Let me tell you how I really feel. <laughs> I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I, I'm tired of Star Wars. I understand Star Wars Rebels is a great animated Star Wars TV show. I, you know, there was a time where I was interested in checking it out. But that was before Rogue One... Han, the Han Solo story, the Boba Fett, or whatever the hell other freaking standalone Star Wars movies that we're going to have. In fact, the best thing I heard of Star Wars as of late, the best Star Wars news I've heard as of late, is that Colin Trevanarvavo is no longer... Trevaro. Sure. Is no longer directing the third sequel installment of Star Wars. Now it's going to be J.J. Abrams. I'm happy about that, but then again, I'm not the biggest J.J. Abrams fan, so I, I mean, I'm just a little bit burnt out by the whole Star Wars thing, and I don't want to see it with Bond, because like you said, for years, Bond followed a sim simple formula with Casino Royale. They attempted to stray off the path a little bit. And do something a little bit grittier and a little bit more, I mean, I want to say, they said realistic. It was more realistic. But really, it's not. He was still jumping off of fucking cranes and shit. And then with Skyfall, they started going back more into the classic James Bond format. Bond is going back to how Bond used to be. And there's really not much more you can do with the format of Bond versus an evil villain who's wanting to do something that's along the lines of taking over the world. Um, you have to come up with crazy fun stunts that right now have to top every single Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie. So, I mean, there, I, I don't understand what you can do in a TV show that you can't already do with a movie. If you want to tell smaller stories do so with the movies because that's different you know we don't need to have big action se sequences we know that because you see a lot of people now going to see these smaller uh, more independent like type of movies where it's just it's it's a thriller but it's not like an action packed thriller you know like it's acting and character based and people enjoy that stuff why not just do that in the movie? So, I mean, I'm not saying, like, all the people that are... I mean, I don't know if all these people, all these companies are wanting to win this bid so they can make the TV shows or not. I just know Apple will fucking do that. Because Apple is trying to get into that streaming service game, and they have yet to really break into it yet. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but it could happen. 
So I'm going to jump into this last piece of news via the... Oh, man. TheHollywoodReporter.com again. I could have sworn it was from a different website. Hollywood Studios could launch $30 movie rental service early next year. Uh, And this was published on August 22nd of this year, written by Pamela McClintock. And it says this... Comcast and Amazon join Apple, yes, Apple and Amazon again in developing a delivery system for premium VOD titles that would be available for home viewing 30 to 45 days after debuting in theaters. If Hollywood studios get their wish, a new premium video-on-demand service could finally be introduced in the first two months of 2018. One likely scenario, consumers would pay 30 bucks to rent a movie only 30 to 45 days after the film has opened in theaters. That's less aggressive than some studios might want. There have been suggestions of making a movie available for $50 after 17 days, but the more modest $30 price could help to soothe the frayed nerves of theater owners as well as lure more consumers to hit the buy button. Insiders say Comcast, Apple, and Amazon are actively developing the delivery system for PVOD titles, including figuring out anti-piracy measures, good luck with that, a number of platforms, including the other major cable providers and digital players, will ultimately be a part of PVOD as well, since the goal is to saturate the marketplace. DirecTV isn't yet part of the conversation because of the pending AT&T and Warner Brothers merger. Now, Amazon, Apple, and Comcast, parent company of Universal, must strike deals with individual studios since antitrust laws prevent the studios from discussing terms among themselves. The goal is to have one price point as to avoid consumer confusion. That means everyone would have to agree to the $30 plan. If the premium service does launch in January or February of 2018, it means year-end holiday movies would be among the first offerings. December releases include Universal's Pitch Perfect 3 and Fox's The Greatest Showman. Showman. Showman, man, man, man. And all quotes there. The article does go on for a bit more. Again, that was via thehollywoodreporter.com. Hollywood Studios could launch $30 movie rental service early next year. Matt, I know we've talked about this uh, quite a bit over the past year or so uh, because this has been in the news uh, a lot with mm-hmm. the talk of movie pass and possibly the theaters themselves, like AMC, for example, launching their own membership. I mean, do you think... Because there's so much talk about this, there's a possibility of it like canceling itself out, like all these companies canceling each other out because, you know, you're going to have some people that'll pay money for, for example, the, an AMC subscription, and they're sure as shit not going to pay for a Comcast subscription. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, and when uh, we talked about this about a month and a half ago, and um, now there are more companies on board um but they're still suffering from the same problem as they were last time because the studios can't talk amongst themselves to figure out what if anything they should do and should they market it at a certain price or whatever which leaves all these other companies to try and go how's twenty dollars sound how's thirty dollars sound i mean so um and, and that's that's really the biggest hurdle is they've inadvertently shot themselves in the foot because of previous you know misdealings um 
but uh, at any rate, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I really think that it seems to me that if you allow people a way for the studios to make money on things that they um, that that for whatever reason weren't as big of a hit in the theater, but then can still get them out to consumers sooner while there's at least some buzz. Um, it seems to me that it makes it then easier for the theaters to get a greater influx of movies and uh, like fathom special events, uh, one-time deals, rebroadcasts, reissues of other movies to then give people a new reason to go to the theater. Um, and or allow for fewer straight-to-DVD releases uh, so that things can come into the theater more often so that they actually can, so that theaters will have less of a down season, right? Uh, because there's more new content that people will be interested in. So I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I It, it just, uh, the theaters don't have to lose out just because people have to wait, you know, 90 days. Um, I, and I don't even think it has to be a $30 deal or anything like that necessarily either. I think it just has to be something where the sooner it is from leaving the theater to getting seen is better for the studios. Um, and finding something that can supplement and or augment what the theaters are missing because people now know that they don't have to wait as long, um, does nothing but give good choice to people to go to theaters. Um, and ultimately even gives theaters in a way more control over what content gets seen at their theaters. So, um, I think that's the link that they should work on. You know, hey, if we end up doing this thing with Fox, how about if, uh, we make sure Fox gives you all of their 20 year releases, you know, right away so that you guys are always going to have, you know, something to show or, hey, we, we just bought out Fathom Events and now we want to do stuff for you every single week where we have stuff coming in here and, you know, stuff like that. I think that's kind of the thing because if theaters feel better about it, it's going to take pressure off them, which takes pressure off the studios. So another thing that has been, I guess, talked about. Uh, in you know in 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 the entertainment news s- circuit is the possibility of studios themselves having their own subscription plan like Warner Brothers where you pay money per month and you can see all the Warner Brothers movies that come out you know all the new Warner Brothers movies that comes out or like Universal or um, or, or Sony, which might be worth it since Blade Runner's coming out. What, what do you think about th- that? I think I already know what you're going to say. What do you mean? So you pay like per month for Netflix, for all that, for you know Amazon, for Hulu, mm-hmm. whatever. You pay, mm-hmm. you go to like www.universal.com or whatever, and you have like a monthly subscription to where you can watch new content. Or you can watch new content that has uh, been in the theater for like, you know, 45 days or something kind of like what uh, I just read from the article, but you can only, it's, it's very much like what Disney is doing. Disney is pulling not only all Disney movies, but all Marvel flicks, all star Wars movies from Netflix, and they're creating their own streaming platform. Well, after that was announced, 
I, I don't know if it, the, it was these studios exactly, but you know, uh, studios like Sony, Universal, Fox, and Paramount, whoever they were, were saying, we should do that too. So they would then have to pull all of their content, which includes shows and movies and you know, music, concerts, or whatever, all programming that could be on Amazon, Hulu, or Netflix, depending on you know, if they own any part of that company well, and they'd have their own streaming yeah, platform. No, I see, sure, I see where you're going. But the thing, the difference between um, Disney and everybody else is Disney has always been holistic, um, whereas most of the other companies have always used some form or fashion of distribution or um, content sharing, even, you know, um, so like... Viacom might might own Andy Griffith, right? But they just do the um, they do the the um, oh good lord syndication mm-hmm. to everybody else and sign those deals. Um, there is no real banner that specifically is as well known as Disney. So while they might pull the movies from Netflix, I don't really think they'd pull everything. Um, uh, and same would go for Amazon and Hulu and what have you. Disney has always been known as being this holistic thing where you'll always have the Disney Channel and then you'll always have Disney XD and you will always have ESPN and you'll always have ABC. So they've had, and then of course, Buena Vista Pictures and Hollywood Pictures and Disney Pictures for all of their specific arms that everybody knows what they are. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder for the other places to do that. So... Um, and not to mention, because they are known as being holistic, um, it makes it much easier for them to brand themselves uh, as something to get. Um, it doesn't make as much sense for the other studios to do that because they still have... Remember, it's not just, oh, this stuff's on Netflix. No, 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 no. We still have HBO and Cinemax and Encore and all of the other streaming uh, services that are available through that, as well as cable. Um, so I think in the long run, it doesn't necessarily behoove the studios to pull that content um, pr- unless they were able to actually go from the back end up. Hey, look, here's our existing catalog of all of these wonderful movies, and you can watch all of our entire catalog of movies here you know eight bucks a month ten bucks a month whatever and then see how many people bite on that before they could try and say let's do this with first run movies yeah um so anyway and there you go that's all i got cool beans all right well then let us leave the news and now go to copycat throwdown no wait we're not going to do that i lied Instead, we're going to do the movie. And this week's movie is 2017's It, uh, titled, of course, uh, eventually, eventually <laughs> titled, of course, It chapter one and uh we're gonna do our movie review first and then we'll be able to do accurately uh and more fairly i think our copycat throwdown of 1990s it part one versus it chapter one for 2017 
Um, all right, here we go. It. When you're a kid, you think the universe revolves around you. They think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer until it's too late. cursed that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing an evil thing bill if you will come with me you'll float too i saw something a clown yeah i saw him too what happens when another georgie goes missing one of us. Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, we'll win. That's right. 2017 American Supernatural Horror Film. It's directed by Andy uh, Muschietti. And it's, of course, based on the 86 novel of the same name by Stephen King. And uh, the movie stars uh, Jaden Lieber, Bill Skarsgård, um, Jeremy Ray Taylor, Sophia Lewis, Philin, I'm sorry, Lillis, Finn Wolford, Wyatt Olaf, uh, Chosen Jacobs, Jack Dylan Grazer and uh, let's see Nicholas Hamilton and Jackson Robert Scott. Um, these are of course the the primary group of that outside of Bill Skarsgård uh, is the Losers Club. What we have here is uh, 1988. We've got a little kid here, uh, Georgie, who goes off with. Uh, a, a sailboat that has been made by his brother and he puts it out in the rain because he wants to actually see it sail down off of course you, you know how, how uh, puddles line up against the the curb in your house so he puts it on the side of the curb and lets lets it go down and then of course uh he disappears a year later his brother and several of his friends, as well as a couple of other kids in the neighborhood, um, are all having to deal with various forms of fashions of bullying and also their own hardships and horror, as it were. And eventually it all comes down to a clown. And how do they deal with this clown? Um... And shenanigans ensue, as I like to say. Now, most people already know, of course, the clown is Pennywise, the clown is a murderous clown, and they've got to figure out what the fuck they're supposed to do with all this shit. Um, I am absolutely just completely enthralled with this 2017 version. Um, they, it really and truly seemed to capture the essence of what Stephen King is about. Now, I freely admit I have not read this 
particular book. But I have read upwards of about 20 to 25 of Stephen King's novels and seen just about all of his film adaptations. And so I have a pretty good idea uh, from his early work to his more recent stuff, kind of how the guy writes. Um, and this really and truly seems to capture the essence of what it is about, which is true child horror. It is, they're not kidding when they say it's a coming of age horror movie. And it's how we, it's kind of interesting because in this age of innocence, and it takes place in 1988 and 89, um, and, and, uh, versus the 60s, you know, late 50s, early 60s of the book as far as the childhood portion. And yet there's something that maintains and rings true about childhood innocence that is there contrasted against such a dark and violent background as well as what these kids do in terms of sticking together. And that's something that this movie, I think, really, really, really drives home well. I think that they chose overall some really great uh, actors and uh, young actress uh, in Sophia Lillis. Um he uh uh Finn Wolfhard uh who is from Stranger Things also fantastic and will probably be the only kid that you recognize off the bat but all these kids really do just a fantastic job and something that i thought was really really well done is just like in Stranger Things they really nailed the camaraderie Everyone really seems to truly be friends within that dynamic. And I think it translates, that chemistry translates really, really well on screen. Um, also, something that they do really well is they really bring individual horror of different kinds of things. For some, it's just clowns. For some, it's abuse. Uh, for some, and that abuse could be sexual, could be physical, could be emotional, could be mental. Um, could be being lonely. All of the things that as a child you experience in one form or fashion, those are the things that you fear. Those are the things that you either do or don't overcome. Sometimes you overcome them as a child, sometimes as an adolescent, sometimes as an adult, and sometimes not at all. All of these things are channeled so well and then given such an amazing backdrop against the horror that is Pennywise. Uh, Bill Skarsgård, by the way, holy fuck, what a great job he did. Um, the only problems that I had with this movie were two very minor problems. One, um, unnecessary use of CGI. I think that even given our, you know, the worrisome helium supply in the world today, which is real, they could probably have spared one tank to fill up a couple balloons. I'm, I mean, I don't think it's so difficult. Every fucking balloon in this goddamn movie 
is CGI, and it pisses me the fuck off. Um, at the very beginning of the movie, the the little sailboat uh, in the gutter is CGI. There's there's a lot of unnecessary CGI. Um, however, there is great CGI as well. So I don't want to sit there and say it's a terrible special effects uh, fest. Um, although I did go to this movie with a group of friends from work, and um, that was and and they're all in their very early twenties, and that was also pointed out to me as well that some of the special effects for them weren't were, were kind of obvious and therefore a little cheesy. Um, so the overabundance on CGI was a bit of a problem, and at the in the finale of the movie um they kind of rehash some things that come up in the in the at the beginning of the third act so at the beginning of the third act um ostensibly they're in a house and it's kind of like if you it's kind of like round one with pennywise if you will and they do a lot of things in that particular aspect of the movie that are really great, awesome, showing you just showcasing everything that needs to be showcased. But it also kind of defines the climax of the movie. And so they then break the rules that were defined for the climax of the movie in the climax of the movie. And instead of it adding to the suspense and adding to the thrill, I was kind of annoyed. And it broke that suspense which is really really important in a movie like this so those two things aside this movie is absolutely fucking fantastic really well done excellently the shots are amazing the scenes really well put together great special effects all in all even though there was some overabundance of cgi um the scares were also on point in in the in the fact that they were not trying to be invasive jump scares there's one or two attempts at it but overall it's just in your face no 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 we know that you know what this is so let's just go ahead and put it out there for you um all that's great the acting's great the camaraderie's great the sound is great the music is great awesome throwbacks to the time period great detail work there as well where's the poison ivy nowhere Okay, well, I'm starting to get itchy, and I'm pretty sure this is not Do you use the night. same bathroom as your mother? Sometimes, yeah. Then you probably have crabs. That's so not funny. Aren't you guys coming in? Uh-uh. It's gray water. What the hell is gray water? It's basically piss and shit, so I'm just telling you. You guys are splashed around in millions of gallons of dairy pee. So, what are you, are you serious? What are you... Doesn't smell like caca to me, senor. Have you ever heard of a staph infection? I'm also a staph infection. This is so unsanitary. You're literally, this is literally like swimming inside of a toilet bowl right now. You're the reason why we're in this position right Guys. now. Guys! Whose sneaker is it? It's Betty Ripson's. What if she's still here? 4.75 out of 5. Super huge fan of this movie. What do you got there, Tim? Wow, yeah, um... I thoroughly enjoyed it. Full disclosure, I went to go see it at a theater. I'm just going to tell you Cinemark because I reached out to them and complained about how shitty their sound is. They gave me passes, so I thought, you know, I'll go use a pass and go go back and give it another shot. Went to a 7 o'clock showing on a Saturday night, and the sound was awful. So I had a very low, like the, the audio, the volume was low. It was quiet. And I was surrounded by little kids. So, Matt, you you mentioned the jump scares. 
Um, I, I mean, I don't know how loud your theater was or anything, but um, one complaint that I had, and I'm just mentioning this right off the bat because this is something I can't really comment on, um, and it's more of a question for you, really, is that every time when something scary happens, like when Pennywise would pop up or suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, the, it, it'll cut to his face or something, he's like chasing sure, you, sure. like the music would just, it would, it would be like a loud clanking noise. And one reviewer or one critic described it as, as like pipes, like two pipes hitting each other to cue the audience to be scared. Um, did you hear any of that at all? A little bit, um, but they, so there was some of that in there. And of course that would make sense because of sewers and all that good stuff. Um, the sound was actually really good. Uh, and for whatever it is worth, we are clearly in two completely different states. Um, I, I also was at a Cinemark today, um, but it was today <laughs> during the afternoon, and it was not a very crowded theater. Um, but it was more along the the, the audio cues were were there. Um, but I think again that was to make to to kind of take a little bit of that jump out of it because it's not about the jump necessarily. It's about what's coming at you. And then they made up for that with obviously the motions of Pennywise as he would, you know, come across because he, he would always kind of attack in that same really quick, you know, stutter frame uh, waddle kind of thing. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it was somewhat present, but it wasn't overbearing or anything, at least for me. Yeah. Um, and then with the CGI, I, I didn't mention it in the in my review, but I definitely agree with you. Like in the in the in the trailer, probably the most. Uh, re- uh, memorable part of the trailer is little boy Georgie in the in the cellar. Uh, spoiler alert! You know, probably from here on out. Spoiler alert! Um, when he's like, "You'll float too, you'll float too," then he suddenly screams. In the trailer, it, it's pretty. I mean, it's kind of creepy looking. But in the movie, they add CGI and make his face like all like like zombified. You know, and it just. It, it it was a little bit disappointing. It was a little bit disappointing. And I think my biggest complaint about it 2017 is that it <laughs> is really like an exercise in in excess. Like some of the stuff there it's just a little too excessive. Like whether if it's like whenever they use CGI, it's blatant CGI. Um like the whole blood scene when blood is coming out of Beverly's uh, bathroom sink. It's a little bit uh, excessive. Um, another thing that was very excessive is its language. Now, I understand in the Stephen King book, the character of Richie curses and vulgars quite a bit, but I personally think that it should have been executed a little bit different from the movie or for the movie because I get it. You want to set up the character. You want to show how all these characters are different from one another and how they come together and why they're friends and how they, you know, how they, how they work. But every single time when these kids are put into a situation, when the tension is building, when you're just like, you're in the moment, like, ooh, are they going to really go into the, the sewer? Are they going to really go into this house? Are they really going to go in this room? Are they really going to do this? This freaking Richie, man, the, the kid from Stranger Things, just quips, you know? He makes a comment. He has to make a joke. And, you know, I, I get it if it's in the book. I get it. But, you know, like, you're watching this movie, and so much of it, 
your you know is uh is 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 dependent on how your is dependent on your investment not only in the characters but in the overall story itself and in this movie they strive they strive for your character or for uh, for your attention to the characters and the details because they do some very nice character work like with the character of um of Ben, played by Jeremy Ray Taylor. I thought, I mean, he was my favorite kid in the movie. Just his little impending romance with Beverly, um, who's played by Sophia Lillis, 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 Lillies? (laughs) Sophia Lillis is very sweet and very real. And if you listen to the show often... You know I'm all about character nuance and physical nuance, and he just had it. A lot of these kids had it. A lot of the main kids had it, but he just really had it. And by the time the you know the ending of the movie came, I just didn't really think there was not necessarily a payoff, but it just didn't make a whole lot of a, a whole lot of sense to me. You know, like he liked her, and now. Her and and now Beverly and Bill's kissing at the end of the movie. I know I'm jumping around a lot, but I'm also assuming that since the movie so far, as of September 12, 2017, has already made well over $117 million, I'm pretty sure most of you have already seen this movie, you know. So you get it. Like, you know what I'm talking about. I just didn't really buy the fact that, like, he's he's devoted to her, he loves her, and then all of a sudden Bill enters the scene, and then, you know, Bill and and Beverly kiss at the end of the movie. Now, after doing some research, and I know I've already jumped into the characters of the movie, but I think this kind of sums it up pretty nicely how I felt about the child characters, is that in the books and in the movie, all these kids are going through horrific scenarios, like what they're being put through is absolutely terrorizing and horrific and and life altering i guess and so at the by the end of the movie they have to come together and basically they love each other which is why in the book you do have that uh child or you know the the orgy amongst the kids because there's something a little i think there was something a little bit more tender to it i guess if i could use tender you know in that within that context. Um, but there, there was more to it than it just being an, a, a child gangbang or orgy or whatever. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't know, like I just couldn't tell if what they were doing is that they were wanting to play off that to where it didn't matter about if you it, like about a, you know, like my true love, you're my true love because now Ben has all these other guys has ha, now Ben has the entire group to worry about. And really, you know, the entire group loves each other. And I'm not talking about a sexual way or like a really weird way, but just like a true friendship. Because throughout the course of the story, of this particular story, they have become adults. And what's fascinating is that they have become adults without even knowing really what adults are. In fact, they act more so like adults than the actual adults than the actual adults in the movie. And I, 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 I pull a lot from that, or I got a lot from that, because of what I know of the book, and all the motivations, the story, you know, and all, and all that jazz, all the, uh, and because of all the motivations and all that jazz. So I know, like, the what they were trying to go for, but you really don't get that sense, you know, 
while you're watching the movie. Stylistically, It 2017, beautifully done. I like the look of it. It has character. I thought... Um, I thought Bill Skarsgård did an excellent job. Again, I thought all the kids, I, I thought uh, the, the performances all across the board were great. But I think my main issue lies with the script itself, with the dialogue, with the characterizations. Because after a while, the first half of the movie especially, it's just kind of like one scene after another of Pennywise terrorizing one of the kids. And that would be fine if more came out of it than he just terrorizing the kids. And that also falls within what I was saying about it's an excessive movie. Everything about this, or a number of things within this movie that sh- that are very important are an exercise in excess. Um, again, like the blood out of the blood blasting out of Beverly's sink, her bathroom sink, you know, and uh, like, you know, like it, it happens and very much like how, um, and that too falls along the lines of be that, that could possibly be a metaphor. And that that's the thing about the Stephen King book is that it's, you know, it's laden with all these metaphors like, um, like, uh, like, like Pennywise, is a representation of childhood fear, I guess. Um, and in a way, I the blood coming out of Beverly's bathroom, her sink, that could possibly represent her period because that is something she's experiencing at that time. But it just comes across as like an overt shock, you know, an overt shock of a lot of blood spewing everywhere, blasting everywhere. I mean, when I say error everywhere literally blood covers every inch of the bathroom and yet like pennywise terrorizes people based on their fears and is she frightened of blood then because you just really don't get that sense so really the only other thing it could have been either um but really it could either be either it was they were just wanting to be excessive with the blood just because it's shocking and ooh and, and it looks good it looks it looks frightening or it was a representation of her uh, you know of her period but you just really don't get that uh, that vi- like but you just really don't get that you know like it could go two different ways. If you're familiar with the story, it's like you can trick your brain into thinking like, oh, this is what they're meaning by it, but it's not really coming across as that. Same thing goes with the adults. They aren't around. Other than Beverly's father, Eddie's mom, the pharmacist, and the couple who drive by Ben as he's getting, drive by Ben as he's getting beaten up by the bullies, you know the adult the the adults really don't have a presence you know outside of representing all of adulthood you know who the kids end up eventually out adulting you know by the end of the movie and so like you kind of wonder if pennywise is actually taking over the adults when the kids are around or when they're in danger very much like beverly's dad like is he really that creepy of a human being that horrible of a human being? Is he really raping his daughter? Or is that Pennywise? Again, you just don't get that sense. In the book, apparently the adults are aware of the mystery, the town's mystery, 
which does put things into perspective because other than that one couple in the car who just drive by Ben as he's getting beaten up and Eddie's overbearing mother and the imposed curfew, nothing is really mentioned of, of, of the mystery of the murders and uh, of people being concerned. You know, Eddie's mom also, she's just a little too jokey for her to be a representation, like, uh, uh, for for all this to really make any sense. I mean, when you first see her, she's like in her moo-moo, in the chair, eating, watching TV, not looking attractive whatsoever, uh, kind of gross looking. And she's just kind of overbearing. And then the next time you see her, she's in a tracksuit, she's wearing a super 80s car, and it's almost comic. So... Like, I, I just couldn't fully grasp what this movie was trying to, uh, like, what direction this movie was trying to to go towards, or which direction this movie was trying to go towards. And, I mean, so I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. When I left this movie, I wanted to give it a, I mean, I wanted to give it a, like a 4.5 or 4.75, but then I started thinking about it. And yes, it's a good movie. Pennywise is great. There are some good moments in it. Even, like, I went into this movie expecting greatness, and I walked out, have you know, and, you know that I walked out with having a good time. I'm going to be taking the SO to, uh, to go see it again this week, and at a better theater, <laughs> with better sound, hopefully. So hopefully I'll get a better idea of, you know, ultimately what I think about the movie. But right now, I give it a four. I did enjoy it, but there are there are there are problems with it, and I just can't tell if it's because of the hype, of how much I really wanted to like the movie, um, or 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 what. I mean, but it is definitely a good movie. And lastly, the and finally, the last thing I do want to mention about this film is that visually, it has sub. It's a is that visually it is it is subtle. Character-wise, it is subtle. But as a whole, when it comes to horror, the movie isn't that subtle. We don't need music. We don't need a whole lot of blood to get the point across. You know, because if there's too much blood, if there's if there's an excessive amount of something like that, you know, if there's supposed to be a reasoning or meaning behind it, or if it's supposed to be metaphorical, I mean, it's it's difficult to really distinguish that, you know? But subtlety goes a long way in terms of horror. And I think this movie definitely needed more of it. Uh, so again, I but I'm still I am still landing on four out of five though. Um, looking forward to seeing it again. Hi, Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back? Um, yes, please. You look like a nice boy. Do you want a balloon to it, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Now we aren't strangers, are we? I should get going now. Oh. Without your boat? Now 
time for Copycat Throwdown. It's it's the the copy copy cat cat throwdown throwdown. That's right. It's the Copycat Throwdown. Well, that's right. It's the Copycat Throwdown. Stop it. Stop it. No, no. Seriously, stop it. Oh, right. Like, stop repeating? Stop repeating. Right. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to kick your ass. ass. Throwdown time. All right. And this time on Copycat Throwdown, we're doing It 2017 versus It Part 1 from 1990. CFTO TV Channel 9 in Toronto. Now you see it, now you don't. It has returned with vengeance. It is evil, personified. I'll kill you all. I'm every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. Can it be stopped? It's coming! Richard Thomas, John Ritter, Harry Anderson. It, the terrifying conclusion. A special movie presentation tonight on CTV. This is what I have to say about this. I, I reviewed both um, in terms of watching part one again. I actually have the DVD. Um, and I... Again, I've made sure to check differences between the miniseries and the book, the new movie in the book, and look over the book and stuff, and compare the the two movies and look at reviews and everything. Um, and this is my opinion. I I'm giving this one a draw, and here's why. It's not a cop out. Here's why. I just genuinely do not think it's fair to compare these two movies. Um, it it 1990 was a mini series on ABC in 1990. So the standards and the viewing habits and the, um, and the production was so vastly different even to what we have today versus what was even acceptable today. So Given the style, given the people who were starring in it at the time, you had um, uh, Harry Anderson from Night Court. Um, oh, what, what what is his name? Um, John Ritter. Uh, well, not just John Ritter, but uh, also um, Richard Thomas, who was a really huge star at the time. Um, you know, uh, Richard Thomas is also in it. Tim Reed. These were also Annette O'Toole. These were also really big people in TV primarily at the time. Um, so it's, uh, and, and of course, part one, while doing a little bit of bouncing back and forth does primarily focus on the kid aspect. Um, much like, 2017's it but it's just again it's not quite the same thing i mean you know but of course hey seth green right because you know seth green's what's up and um jonathan brandis of course also you know 90s heartthrob um not not seth green but just uh, someone recognizable from the period um 
So it's given the original material versus what they did to convert it into something that was still hugely successful for its time and literally gave the world Tim Curry's version of Pennywise. It's like trying to compare Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger doing the Joker. It's, you can't, okay, because it's two completely different styles. It's two completely different actors. It's two completely different time periods. Um, I think for what it was, for when it was, and given its budget and its source material, um, 1990 it is, is okay. It's, it's not bad. It does well at what it was trying to do. It is terribly hokey for the most part outside of Tim Curry. Uh, the kids do better than the adults. Oh, um, for sure. In, yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of the acting and the believability and the lack of montages. Right. And the, yeah. <laughs> and the production values again, but again, it's, it's not, it's not fair to hold that against it, especially when we're dealing with uh, an R-rated movie in 2017. So, and quite frankly, without that miniseries and its influence on pop culture over the last 27 years, um, we would not have had this movie that we have. So, I I walk away with a draw. I give it a draw. They're just two completely different movies, um, two completely different styles, two completely different times. Hi, Georgie. Aren't you going to say hello? Oh, come on, bucko. Don't you want a balloon? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. My dad said so. Very wise of your dad, Georgie. Very wise indeed. I, Georgie, am Pennywise the Dancing Clown. You are Georgie. So now we know each other. <laughs> he right? I guess so. I gotta go. Go? Without this? It's my ghost! Exactly. Go on, kiddo. Take it. Oh, you want it, don't you, Georgie? Oh, of course you do. And there's cotton candy and rides and all sorts of surprises down here. And balloons, too. All colors. Do they float? Oh, yes. They float, Georgie. They float. When you're down here with me, you float down! Draw. I have no winner. You know, I really didn't think about how how, how much this copycat throwdown really didn't make any sense until I got your text earlier today, basically saying the first couple sentences that you said uh, at the beginning of your little throw down there <laughs> i i definitely agreed to a point but i personally it the it 2017 is the better movie i think there i think structurally uh the miniseries it was interesting it definitely follows the book 
I think despite it being an ABC TV movie, I, I think it, I, I just think it could have been, it still could have been better. Like there was still blood in it. There was still, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I don't want to say risque, like my, like violent stuff in it, I guess. Eyebrow raising moments, like the guy who kills himself, you know? I mean, that's pretty, how they shot that was pretty, pretty eye-opening, you know, even maybe not so much now because we have the CSI and law and orders and all all the crap that's on TV now is definitely worse. Um, But like the blood, the, you know, just Pennywise himself, what, or itself, what Pennywise stood for, there's just a lot more they could have played around with. And unfortunately, like most Stephen King movies, is that they? I think a, I think a number the the studios or the producers or whoever's running the money. I think they have this mindset of oh, it's a Stephen King movie. The name will the name will sell the movie. People will go see it because the story is that good. No, because you have to have a style to it. It has to have a look. You actually have to have decent actors. And, uh, you know, like it, 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 I mean, you have to put forth the effort because Stephen King in visual form doesn't stand on its own. So, or Stephen King's stories as a, you know, visual art form doesn't stand on its own. So, I mean, I, I do think that they like, I think, I think you had the, the people that were trying to make the movie and then you had the network suits who were like, nope, you got to do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do this. But then again, we have these really dumb montages where, you know, where like it just, it just didn't, it just didn't in, in melodrama and soap operatic moments that were planned and were in the script and were shot. And, you know, so it's like they could have done more with it, especially when you compare the grown up stuff to the child, the, to uh, to the uh, to the past, the, you know the, the present day stuff to the to the past with the kids, you know the kid stuff is is definitely uh, you know much better, definitely better. Um, but the really the only thing else I have to say about this is that when I was a kid, I remember when you would look in the newspaper to see what movies were playing over the weekend when you were going to be home so you knew what to watch out for you know they had the TV guide in the newspaper and whenever it would come on in the early 90s probably from i guess 1990 through i guess it would have to be 93 or 94 whenever it would come on all they would all they would have printed in the the Houston Chronicle was a picture of Tim Curry as Pennywise holding up balloons and that's all they needed and kids would bring that picture to the school, and during recess, these same kids would show people that picture, and just the very sight of Pennywise holding those balloons made people crap their pants, because it was so frightening, and just the idea of, you know, what Pennywise stood for, it was just unbearable for some people. So, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting, and I think a lot of people definitely look back on the miniseries with fondness because when they were kids, they were afraid of it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was an overall good movie. But since we were focusing on part one of it, 
pertaining to the kids, I still do think the 2017 version is the better version. So, um, but I mean, I, 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 I guess there's no definitive winner here. Well, it, it, it's I mean, like it's like the Mayweather and O'Con- uh, and Conor McGregor fight. You know, you have the UFC guy versus the boxer guy. It's just one of them had a better funding. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, I guess for you to decide. Tim says it. Twenty seventeen is the better movie. I say it's a draw. Um, you know, we'll let you be the deciding factor. So send those emails to the show at slscast.com uh, or maybe tell us about it on Twitter at the SLScast. So, you know, that's always fun there, too. Anyways, all right. Well, next week's movies are going to be Mother and Wind River. So without further ado, I guess that's now time for the spiel. Is it not, sir? Spiel on. Is there something wrong with the food? No, the food was excellent. Perhaps you're not happy with the service? No, no, no complaints. It's just that we have to go. I'm having rather a heavy period. And we have a train to catch. Oh, oh yes, yes, of course, we have a train to catch. And I don't want to start bleeding all over the seats. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. And you can find us at SLScast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me. This is Matt on Twitter at NitTwit12345. You can climb aboard that information superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. So until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to Bill Skarsgård, I get to say this. A true artist, in my mind, is willing to fail sometimes. Because if you're not brave enough to say yes and follow your gut, it's never going to be good. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, very well, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>